I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Welcome to Through the Portkey. I have the Harry Potter review show written down on these notes, but I remembered at the last second that we don't call it that anymore. Through the <laughs> Portkey. All right, it's right now on the Merc with the Movie Blog podcast feed. Every week, we're reviewing one. Well, I say every week. Every other week. I say every other week. Whenever we put these out, we are reviewing one Harry Potter movie. I am one of your hosts, Sean, and I'm joined uh, not... Not as always by both of them. This is the first time both of them have been on, but it was supposed to be by both of them. Uh, Sarah, first of all. Hi, Sarah. Hi. And Caitlin. Hello. It was supposed to be us three. That has not worked <laughs> out for any Five of movies later. <laughs> Five movies later, here we are. Um, doing uh, Sarah's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, I want to talk about... One thing. Uh, I want to talk about, Kaylin, you were not on for the last movie. No. Goblet of Fire. So I want to hear really quickly from you what you think of Goblet of Fire. It's meh. It's meh? It's meh. Um, it's, um, it's kind of forgettable. And, um, it's just, I don't love it. Um, the one thing I do love that I wish we had explored more was... Um, the fact that Cedric Diggory hits on Harry. <laughs> I think we did and, talk about that for a second last time. I think I brought it up because you asked to. Yes. 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 yes I, I just, I love that. That is the most amazing scene because he's just like, you I'm should take sure. a bath. I'm you not should sure go take happening. a bath. <laughs> Well, when one person suggests to the other one very quietly that they should go take a bath. I don't know if he was, like, insinuating take a bath with me. I think he was just, like, mm-hmm. maybe he was saying you That's really should go take a bath, you know? Uh, so, but it's largely, it's not my favorite. It's also not, it's not got my favorite color palette either for some reason. For I some like reason, color palette mm. it just sticks out as the darkest of the movies. Really? I think really? this one sticks out. Or maybe the next one. The next maybe, one. Maybe six. To me. Yeah. I think six. Six. six was nominated for Best Cinematography, wasn't it? I don't know. Was I think it was. It? I think it was. Half-Blood Prince. Really? Film. I think. Yeah. It was nominated for Best Cinematography. Something about four, I just don't like looking at. So this might surprise you, it might not. Four is my favorite so far of the ones we've reviewed. Four is my number one. uh, Hmm. Okay, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know which one's my favorite. I know which one's my least favorite of the ones we've done so far. Well, but... I'm going to ask you right now, because I do have a list for Sarah of uh, a ranking of the ones we've done so far. So last time we talked was on Prisoner of Azkaban, and you said that it was uh, your least favorite was Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Your second favorite was Chamber of Secrets, and your favorite was Sorcerer's Stone. So you had three, okay. two, one. Where does okay. Goblet of Fire fall on that list? Mm, probably, I probably like it mm, better than three. Better than three, but not as much as two. Mm, correct. Okay. Um, I'm just putting that in for notes. 
For, Although, for, for later. Yeah, for later. We'll we'll do something at the very end of the series. I do have to say that the thing that 4 does really, really, really well is it really uh, highlights the problems of teenagers. Yeah. Mm. The, you know, the real anxiety of asking someone to a dance. Oh my gosh. To realizing that the girl you like some other guy is after, um, you know, all of those interactions that get introduced, all of that is very, very real. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably, it's one of my more favorite books. Um, three is my favorite book. This one I read a lot right behind, mm-hmm. right behind that. And it was just it, very, very real, very real. So that I appreciated about four, but um they did really, really shoot themselves in the foot a little bit by Hermione being too naturally pretty and <laughs> yeah. and like their dress robes basically looked like tuxedos, like you know yeah. what I mean, so uh just the costume designing. You know, it, it didn't feel all that different from our world, but uh-huh. it's, it's whatever. Um, so, but yeah, um, I definitely like Order of the Phoenix a little better than that, I would say, but I don't know where, uh, I guess by the end of this, I'll have to decide where I want to put it. Yes, you will. Uh, yes. I will say that the one thing that Goblet of, Goblet of Fire has over every other movie, and it, the reason that it is number one, is that it asks a very important question of the audience. No. Don't do it. You know what that question is? That question is, can you dance like a hippogriff? Na 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 Do you want me to keep shouting Harry like I did the last time? <laughs> Dude, what's your name in the color? Harry! <laughs> Alright, uh, so. No, he says, Harry, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? <laughs> <laughs> is that your impression of Dumbledore? Yes! It's so it, good. It's, it's really Harry. bad. Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? (laughs) Well, as Kaylin Kaylin kind of uh, mentioned a second ago, today we are covering Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Directed by and beginning the era of David Yates, Mm -hmm. who has done every movie since, including the Fantastic Beasts ones. Uh, This is the only Harry Potter movie not written by Steve Clove. It is written really? by Michael Goldenberg. It was released on July 11th, 2007. And uh, this this time the score was done by Nicholas Hooper, who I think he does the next one as well. Or well, I, Alexa, Alexander Desplat finishes it off, right? In, mm-hmm. I think in he seven. does the last two. Yeah. Who does six? Six is also done by Nicholas Hooper, so. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to talk about some new casting first because we do have some new casting. I'm pretty sure all of this is new casting. There was one person I wasn't sure on, but starting off with uh, Natalia Ten- uh, Tena, Natalia Tina, or whatever, as uh, Nymphadora talks. Mm, so love her. Call me Nymphadora. I love uh, that line. She's on Game of Thrones. We see. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yes, she is. <laughs> what was that, Sarah? Nothing. Uh, what do you guys think of uh, Natalia as Nymphadora? I mean, we don't She's... see her a whole lot. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I was the one thing that I was very much disappointed in was 
how little we get to know Tonks throughout the rest of these yeah. compared to how much we yeah. see her in the books. Also, I pictured Tonks as being a little more bubbly. Yeah, I kind then, of get it when she's doing the faces for mm-hmm. the people. I yeah. I kind of get it then. And I, I feel mm. like it could have leaned more into like the klutz angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, her, her, yeah, they cut all that out. Uh, and I, so they just, they just made her kind of neutral. Yeah. yeah. Just, she had no major personality anymore and no storyline. So, you Which know. I, like, it's because all these storylines were cut because they didn't have time. Again, make a TV show, please. But, um, like, because she starts so neutral in this movie, you don't really see, like, in the next one, because she's in the next one, uh, she's supposed to be more neutral. And then, like, it, from book five to book six, she's supposed to be, like, more depressed and yes. less bubbly because of her relationship with uh, Remus. Mm-hmm. And they still have the relationship in six, but because she already started kind of subdued in this movie, you don't really get that there's a change. And that entire yeah. plot is dropped off anyways so uh i guess it doesn't really matter but yeah i mean i like i like she's only in a little bit of the movie but i like her when she's in it i feel like like in the book she her and harry became friends but that's not in the movie so yeah they were much more friends and in six there's a kind of a plot point that she's a part of that they just transition to a different character and you know they just she's just doesn't do a whole lot and that's disappointing Mm -hmm. but it's whatever i think yeah i i don't think you had time to do it it sucks no like with everything already going on this is why i especially these later movies i'd love to them as a tv show just because there's so many subplots that are happening that yeah. are completely cut out and some of them you forget about like percy's in this movie mm-hmm. well, like, is he in the percy's movie in a lot of the books yes but he's in the movie he's like he's in this movie and his story is the same as in the books but they don't tell you it yeah exactly like he shows up with fudge at the end yeah oh oh yeah but he just like is yeah. Silent. He doesn't say anything. Just he just stands yeah, he's just, there. He's just there. Yeah, they don't ever get into the storyline of him siding with the ministry and no. then changing his mind and coming back yeah, to his family. Yeah, so interesting. It because, was. Okay, we'll talk more about that as we... Because, like, I have a big problem with that in the last movie. Because that's, like, the last movie is when that story all is supposed to come to a head. And it just doesn't. Yeah. So we'll Definitely. talk about that in the last movie. Um also, I think this was a new casting. I don't remember him in the earlier movies, but I think this was George Harris's first time as Kingsley Shacklebolt. I don't yes. remember him before this. I don't remember him before this, but I like him. I mean, he's kind of what I imagined when I thought of Shacklebolt while reading the books. Kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know how I felt. Like I've always thought that the line, like, "You might not like him." But he's got style. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, a little, uh... it's not my favorite line. <laughs> yeah, I think doesn't the por- one of the portraits have that line in the book? I, I think don't. So. I don't. I think it's one of the headmasters. I think one. Of I the don't even remember it, it as a line in the books. Uh, all right, and these last three people, I mean, are just perfect. I think in the roles that they play. So we're just gonna hit them one off at a time. Uh, first of all, Helena Bonham Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange. Lestrange. Lestrange? Lestrange. What was Lestrange. that? No. Lestrange. Bellatrix Lestrange. Uh, Lestrange. Bellatrix Lestrange. Fine. Say it 
boring. Um, Say it the right way. <laughs> she doesn't deserve me saying her name the right way. I hate her. I hate her so much. I hate her. I mean, I love her. She's great in the movie. So I love the of, character. What do you think of Bellatrix Lestrange, uh, Caleb? Uh, she's exactly what she should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't imagine anyone else playing her, which is interesting because the woman who plays her sister which I don't think we've seen yet, was originally cast as her. Really? And and had to drop out because she was pregnant. Oh. Then they brought her out to, back to be her sister, and I'm like, I can't imagine them no. in, in the, like, in the mm-hmm. opposite roles. I can't imagine the sister as her because she's so subdued. And, yeah. And maybe she can play it because Helena Bonham Carter can also play quiet and restrained and all that so maybe she could have but just the actress i don't know enough about her so i would just be shocked if Mm. she was able to play bellatrix as crazy as she needed to be what do you think of uh helena bon carter as bellatrix lestrange sarah um i agree i think it's perfect casting um it is that (laughs) crazy over the top but she also is very grounded at the same time i would say i don't know i think she can tend as an actress she can tend like well i don't know i think we can tend to see her do yeah i would say she's pretty grounded in this role i feel like she's oh i I killed serious black yeah but that's the character yeah yeah that's what i meant i don't think that this role is very grounded i think like i don't know i i think it's Okay, maybe the performance. I yeah. think the perform. I think she does a good job with the performance. That's exactly the right crazy it needs to be. Like she's chewing the scenery, but that's the character. You know what I mean? Like I think, yeah. okay, I think yeah. other actors, it would just be insane and off the wall, and you'd be like, "That's too much." But with her, I think she has a good grip on it. Where you don't it doesn't feel like oh, she has no idea like what she's doing with this role. You know what I it's, mean? It's yeah, she's not a cartoon of, character. Yeah, yes, exactly. Of like crazy and also scary yes um yeah bitty bitty yeah i love i love her in both of these movies she's in i mean she's in all of the rest of them but she's also in six at the end right isn't she there when they you know yeah i think so Dumbledore. <laughs> uh <laughs> spoiler <laughs> yeah uh the next actress wrote to jk rowling saying that she was perfect for the part and eventually ended up getting the part. Ivana Lynch as Luna Lovegood. Yes, she is Luna Lovegood. She's literally um, Luna Lovegood. <laughs> um, and every report I've heard of people who knew her beforehand were like, yeah, that's her. Like, yeah. <laughs> She's not acting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she is another one that I think was perfectly cast. And yeah. is kooky, but still realistic and yes you know is childlike but also you know she has she has a lot of um she's an old soul in a lot of ways yeah and heartbreaking at the same time yes luna luna i I love all of her scenes in this Uh, movie and i feel like my heart breaks half of half of those scenes i love when harry uh can see the Thestrals and she says, I can see them too, so you're just as sane as me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's not super reassuring, but thank you. Well, I think my favorite scene of hers is at, at the end with the, with the shoes 
Mm-hmm. And she like tries to take his hand. She's like, this is what humans do to comfort each other. Yeah. And, and Harry looks down like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but I, I think, um, I like that. And I like the scene where she doasn't, he, he goes into the forbidden forest, or I guess on the edge of it. And yeah. And she's like feeding them yeah. and she explains what's go. Yeah. I really like yeah. that scene a lot. And then, uh, somebody who I hate more than anything because of this role. Mm. And I just, he's so good in the role, but so God, I good. Imelda Staunton, who plays uh, Dolores Umbridge. I guess so, I, I hate her. <laughs> question. Yes. Is she a bigger villain than Voldemort? Yes. And even in the book, she's even worse. Like, they tamed oh, yeah. her in the movie. Um, yeah, she's pretty awful. And here's the really bad part. She was in the Downton Abbey movie recently. Yeah. <laughs> and... And it was thinking this, and it was so hard not to to be like, okay, she's not Dolores Umbridge. She's not Dolores Umbridge. But she was kind of a villain in that too. So, (laughs) yeah, I need to rewatch that movie. I have it sitting in my living room. It was so good. We could do a podcast just about that. You guys should do a podcast. The Downton Abbey recap. (laughs) Yes, Downton Abbey recap show. We really should. I would totally rewatch all of Downton Abbey. Mm Hmm. Um. Anyway. <laughs> All right, just some general stuff that I wanted to talk about real quick, because there were a couple of... Uh, this was a note I almost typed it in the Discord, but it was so heavy and so sad that I was like, I'm going to wait to hit it them with it oh, on Lord. the show. <laughs> okay. It was at the very end of the movie, after after um, Harry and Dumbledore have their talk, like, you know, I know how you're feeling, Harry. No, you don't. And, like, all that, their exchange, and it's when... They're leaving Hogwarts and I'm looking at Harry and all I can think is like this, he's this boy. He's like, what, 15 in this movie? Yeah. He's, like, yeah. he's like, just learned about this prophecy. And the worst part that he doesn't know is he's being groomed to die. Like, I know. I, feel, I never think about that in one through four for some, I think it's because of the introduction of the prophecy again, that it hit mm-hmm. my mind, but I've never looked at him in any the first four movies that we watched and thought that but it, and it didn't happen until the very last scene of this movie when he's walking away with his friends and they're like and he's like we have something that he doesn't uh uh something worth fighting for and i just i thought in that moment i was looking at him like he is being raised to die right now mm-hmm. and i don't know why i thought of that but it was it was like really sad <laughs> to think about it is it's very sad um it, yeah um also the whole thing with the prophecy i feel like do they even really explain why no, he wanted all. the no. prophecy not at all they don't they no. barely explain the prophecy well we could i yeah that was one of the differences i wrote down is the prophecy is re- really not explained at all yeah not at all like or why Dumbledore, or not Dumbledore, why Voldemort is wanting it, and mm-hmm. yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it becomes very apparent. Uh, obviously, we don't know officially till seven yeah. that, well, in a movie eight, yeah. that Harry's being groomed to die. We don't know any of that. But um, yeah, it becomes more and more apparent as we go on. Especially, you know, the neither will live while the other survives. Like, he's gonna have to kill Voldemort at some point. Um, 
and you kind of realize that, but the the second part of that is realizing that no matter what, he's going to have to die because Voldemort yeah. can't die unless he dies. So, yeah, it's harder going back and watching it and knowing all of that. It's also hard going back and watching and reading Snape and mm-hmm. not, like, knowing what he really is mm-hmm. and knowing what his perspective is. So knowing, like, the scene where Harry, um, you know, goes into his mind a little yeah. bit. And knowing how heartbreaking that scene, I mean, how, you know, like how, yeah, yeah, Yeah. because he really did love Lily. He really did hate James. Yeah. And how torturous it is for him to be doing this. So, yeah, it, it, hindsight's 2020. So when you go back and look at it, everything looks a lot different. Yeah. And I don't know why, but this is the movie where it started to hit me a lot in the, in this rewatch we've been doing, uh, over the course of a long time. Um, like, cause even you bring up Snape, even looking at Snape, I feel like from four, from the last one to this one, cause I think this is the biggest role he has in any, like anyone up until now. Maybe one, he has a slight, maybe he has a, like an equal role in the first movie, but I feel yeah. like he becomes a, like a background character for two, three and four. Yeah. And I feel like he has a more sizable role in this one that he has in the last couple. Yeah, I mean, in three, I guess he plays a big-ish role when he, you know, because he does end up inside the, the, end. the tree and all that. Yeah, um, no, that's true. But yeah, he, four, he sits back. Yes, for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, two, two, definitely. Two was, two was primarily the kids. Yeah. Um, and the ghost thing (laughs) whatever i guess now we know it's a horcrux but back then i always thought it was like a i don't know a spirit or something of of him um yeah uh, he definitely has um a bigger role to play here but it is fun seeing him like he's still a bad guy yeah but he's not on the same side as dolores umbridge yes (laughs) <laughs> I love that scene when it's in like the well that one but I love it when it's at the, at the introduction feast or the welcoming feast and she's like mm-hmm. oh my god I hate and it so Snape, much. And Snape, Snape just like looks at her he's like are you are you for real right now he's, yeah I don't, I don't know why but it's the way Snape looks at her in that scene I found really funny um I yeah. I just love I, I I really love the montage of them uh, of her going to all the teachers and whatever and like questioning them and then yeah. him, her saying and you were not successful in, <laughs> in getting that job and it's like obviously so uh, I just that should have mm-hmm. been our dead giveaway that he was not evil because he was not on the side of evil he did not like her. That's true. Did you move away from your mic a little? Or did you move your mic a little bit? I did because I felt like my breath was like going. No, you. No, you're okay. okay. You were. You were. You sounded really far back, but um. Oh. You Is were this good. Better. Yeah, that's better. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. Uh, yeah. I agree. I like that. We'll talk about Umbridge because I. Uh, more in a little bit because I wrote down a lot of the differences with her, from the book to the movie. And I feel like there's some things in there that, like, I don't think we needed to hate her any more than we already did, but we definitely could have, uh, is where I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
you guys have anything else generally you want to talk about before we like do our in-depth scenes? Are there any other scenes you want to hit on quickly? Mm, I definitely think we didn't explain Mrs. Fig enough in, in the movie. Um, yeah, you know, but none of the movies from. really care about her. No, but we don't even, I mean, I guess in the book we get sort of the backstory of who she is relative to Harry. Uh, a little yeah. better, and that she's been planted there his whole life, like I mean, watching him. She's yeah. a constant mainstay of the books, not as a character, but as a as a mention, isn't she? Isn't she mentioned in like at least leading up to this? I feel like at the beginning when he's like when he's still with the Dursleys, I feel like every book at some point she's brought up. Um, definitely a couple of times because like in the very first one, he mentions yeah. that usually on Dud. Dudley's birthday, he stays with Mrs. Fig while they go and do something okay, with Dudley, yeah. and but he doesn't like her because um, something about I don't know something about her house or cats or something. Yeah, uh, it smells something to do with smells or something. I think I don't remember. Yeah, and later she once she kind of reveals who she is, she explains like, "Well, I had to make it not." you know, terribly fun or they wouldn't let you yeah. come over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they enjoyed they kinda, it. They wouldn't do it. They kind of got shot in the foot with not introducing her earlier on. Right. You know, and this one, uh, this move, this book came out in 2003. Right. So, I mean, hmm. I they would have been, I'm looking at like when the movies came out, they would have been probably in the middle of shooting Prisoner of Azkaban. Maybe they would have already wrapped. So, like, they, they're, they don't, I don't know. I feel like they are, they, there's not much you could do with her at that point. Like, she needs to be there for, to be the witness to the Dementor attack to be used in the trial. Like, that has to happen. But, like, mm-hmm. you've already made the other movies with no mention to her. Like, the squib yeah. thing with Filch isn't a thing earlier in the series either. Because they didn't know it was going to be important. That like squibs were going to be brought back in a very big way in this movie and in um in seven they're also really like I guess lore wise they're important in seven I don't yeah. know how directly the plot intersects with the idea of squibs but definitely as a background concept they're brought back in in seven but they just it's like that this is it's like again I'm gonna keep harping on it until the end of time but if you made a TV show now you know all this stuff you know right you're not making it as the books are coming out and you you know to set these seeds earlier on i just i think that would be i think that would be really cool and that's a lot of um the entire reason that creature even shows up in the movie is because because he he's inconsequential in this movie he doesn't do anything but it's because they asked jk rowling they were like we're gonna cut him and she's like no you can't because he's gonna matter later yeah so they most of his plot was cut from the movie. It was, but he still yeah. did matter. So they yeah. did establish him. He didn't just randomly show up in seven, which is good. Yeah. Did he but... matter though, or was he established? Because I think there's two different things. He doesn't interact with the plot in the way that he does in the book. Like he no. doesn't lie to Harry to send him to the the Department of Mysteries like he does in the book. He's just kind of there to set him up for later. Mm. Yeah, he, so in, in this, he, they at least establish him yeah. in this one so that he doesn't just show up out of nowhere later That's when, true. when it's important for him to say, you know, all the stuff about the locket and all that. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, but she may not have even realized that she was going to go back and and make Mrs. Fig important. She may have gone back and been like, hey, I mentioned this character. Let me do something with her, you know? Hmm. Um, Which I assume is something that has happened at some point where she just made up a character's name and then later created an actual story for them. Yeah. That, well, that's when you have this many characters that has to happen at some point. Yeah. I want to think I I want to I want to think. I want to say uh maybe they didn't isn't one of the people one of the people that Harry meets in Diagon Alley for the first time in the first book doesn't he eventually come back as a member of the order? I don't know. Probably. I feel I like, I feel like, I feel like, like when they were, when she was Perhaps. flashing out the order, she went back to that scene and grabbed a name to be like, yeah, I think they're the order in the second time. I think she does that. Like she'll set up little things that she'll be like, oh, this will be a cool Easter egg to go back and grab this person. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think when she was writing it, she was like, he's going to no. be import- important. No. Or even when he was, when she was writing Mrs. Fig, I don't think she was like, oh, Mrs. Fig's going to be a key later. I think it was like, oh, I already established her and it will work well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and in that way, I think that that's why a lot of changes happen because if she already established a character in a book, she can refer back to them. But if you didn't establish them in a previous yes. movie, you can't refer back to them, so you end up giving their <laughs> plot to someone else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which happens sometimes. Yes. It happens quite a bit as yes. the movies go on. because <laughs> And in this movie, it happens. Yeah. Well, in this movie, we'll talk about it later, but there's a character that's not in this movie that they give their plot line to somebody else for no reason because the character was introduced in another movie. Like, it, the character exists, they just decided not to bring them in. Uh, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but any other any other things before we talk about the the in depth scenes? Mm, nope. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna do the in depth scenes first, and then we'll do the ad break after because we're still pretty early in here. Uh, I chose for my scene because I always loved this scene. Is the ministry not the ministry? I don't know why I wrote the ministry. The ministry has nothing to do with this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> the order escorting Harry to 13 Grimwald place at the very beginning of the movie when they like uh-huh. fly over the river and stuff. And I know like, that's not how they do it in the book. Like they fly up high so that they're not seen and it's pretty yeah. dumb to fly <laughs> over the fucking river. But that scene is really cool music. And I really like the idea. Like I like, I think it's just a cool scene. I like don't break ranks. Even if one of us is killed, like <laughs> I just, I love the idea of these random people coming together as like a faux militia to just escort a teenage boy across London. <laughs> yeah. I also love that the real Mad-Eye Moody and the fake Mad-Eye Moody are so similar. Like yeah. the, the yeah. fake one did such a good copycat because yeah. that is totally what fake Mad-Eye would have done. There was no, there's, it's not in the movie, but I'm pretty sure in the book, there's a line of something like, it might not be in this book. It might be later on. But there's definitely a line where Harry's like, but professor, and he goes, I was never your professor. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was someone else. Yeah, that's got to be weird because you have memories with this yeah. person. Yeah. But this person was not as an actual person in your memories. <laughs> You're one to talk, Mad-Eye. You used the Cruciatus curse right in front of, no, I didn't. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> Just... Oh, man. 
but yeah, I, I chose that one. I don't know how you guys feel about that scene. I get that it's a little dumb that they're flying over the fucking river, like where everybody it's can so see stupid. them. Yeah. It's so dumb. But I love the music, the do 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 like I can think of the music in my head for that scene. And it's really yeah, just it's a good. memorable the music's scene. Great. It's a it's a, it's a a nice upbeat kind of happy scene. Yeah. Um and but so once again though the Dursleys are really minimized. Yeah. Oh yeah. So leading up to that, you know, we actually did get a little bit of Dudley this time, a little more than usual, but mm. once again they were minimized and that's always depressing cuz there's usually some good stuff. I do like mm. I do like that Harry just pulls his wand on Dudley and his friends are like, pulling out a stick? <laughs> What's wrong with yeah. you? Like, <laughs> um, I lo- I, and I love that opening. I'm going to extend my scene a little bit backwards. I love the nightmare that he has of Cedric dying. Like, I know it's a really fucked thing to say, but uh, I feel like the beginning of this movie kind of handles the PTSD side of what Harry is going through. And I think mm. this entire movie handles that really well. Uh I do think that one thing I don't love about this book and movie is I feel like they kind of play with the idea of Harry having PTSD after the events of Goblet mm. of Fire. But then I mm. also think at the same time they're dismissing it by saying that yes. it's not it's not really happening. It's just because of Voldemort and the yeah. connection. You know? Or like, oh, he's so angsty. Like it comes off to me more like teenage angst, like angry Harry. Like that's yeah. that's what I I that's I just do not like this book because it's so like angsty. <laughs> I get that, but I I feel like I like it for the character after the events of the last book because I mean that's the most fucked shit he's been through. Like, do you like Harry as a character? That's the um, most important question. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. I think he's okay. I feel like I feel sorry for Harry as a character. Yes, I I. I do like Harry, but he's not aside, your favorite. Well, aside from the Voldemort thing, he's not special. No, like yeah, he's the not. The thing is that Voldemort. Made I him like that though. Like, I and I like that too. Is that it's not that he's special; it's that Voldemort chose him randomly, which is like yes. fucking this dude. Well, not completely randomly. He had a mm, list to yeah. choose from, and basically yeah. decided that Harry had to be the one. Yeah. But yeah. um. <laughs> And it, this becomes painfully just in your face if you've ever played any of the Lego Harry Potter games, which Darren <laughs> yes. and I play, because we're in the middle of, I think we're in the middle of what would be year seven. And because Darren usually starts the game, he's like the primary uh-huh. And then I'm like the secondary character, whoever that is, and then you can switch between different ones. But they usually give yeah. him Harry, and then I end up being like Ron or Hermione. Yeah. Hmm. And Aaron will go to do something. He's like, Harry can't do anything. Like, he has to wait for Hermione to come to do anything because she's the one who can read the the thing, and she's the one who has the magic bag. and. Yeah. And then Ron's the one who did like the the sword thing with the sword of Gryffindor. So it's like yeah. it becomes painfully obvious. Like, okay, Harry is not special. <laughs> Harry can't do anything. And he and he doesn't have an animal that can crawl up pipes and stuff. So he can't do that <laughs> either. So it's just, yeah, he's very 
average. He makes very average teenage boy mistakes. Mm-hmm. He does very normal things. He gets in fights with his friends. He doesn't know how to talk to girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of I love that. Like I like that about yeah, the character. Is that I do. he's a very normal person. Yeah, um, I really like that choice. But I do want to go back to the to the PTSD thing of this book because like I I really think the ending of Goblet of Fire is maybe besides him dying in in seven is the most traumatizing thing that Harry goes through in the entire oh, yeah. series. Like Yeah. He just comes in, Cedric is just killed in front of him, and then he's just he's bound to a statue and just has to watch this. Like he gets he gets yeah. caught by Wormtail and he's just like, he doesn't have any agency during that entire sequence. Like, he's not yeah. able to fight back. We're in Order of the Phoenix or uh, uh, Half-Blood Prince. When it comes time for the fi- the finale, he takes, like, an active... He's actively participating in the finale as as, mm-hmm. a, as a member of the fight. And I feel mm-hmm. like in Goblet of Fire, all of that is taken from him because he can't, he can't do anything to stop it. He's just... It's mm-hmm. being forced on him. So I think I really think that besides dying at the end, because like, that's a whole nother thing, I think this is that is Goblet of Fire's ending is probably the most traumatizing thing that Harry goes through in the entire the entire series. I never thought I of it as traumatizing, extra traumatizing because he can't do anything. I always thought it was extra traumatizing because it's the first one he witnesses. Yeah, or I, experience. I think, yes, I, I think that's definitely in addition to it, but I I, I do think that it's. I think that part of it has to be that he was unable to do anything throughout the entire encounter. Like at least when he, when he, when he confronts Quirrell, like he's making choices in that thing. Like he's looking in the mirror and he's seeing that the thing is in his pocket and he's making choices. Yeah. When he fights the basilisk, he pulls the sword out of the hat and he's doing stuff. When he, you know, he's always actively participating in the finale, but he's not a participant in the finale mm-hmm. of Goblet of Fire, he's he's a spectator for all, you know, all purposes. Like, he can't do anything to stop what's happening until the very end when Voldemort finally releases him from the statue, you know? Mm-hmm. But for all of the stuff that leads up to that, he has no way of doing anything. He has no control over himself, which I think is a very traumatizing thing to go through. Definitely, and I think just also... It's someone his own age, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, we're mortal. Yeah. We can be killed. Right. It's. Although, I guess technically, Cedric was an adult, but in the most technical sense of the term. But he was, yeah, yeah, he was still a school age child. You know? So, that's traumatizing. Oh, yeah. I agree. I've just, I've, I've, I've always thought that, like, the way that it happens also would have added to that, which is, uh... Yeah. I would have never thought of it that way. That's very yeah, interesting. It is. I, I hadn't thought about that either. Yeah, I just, I think that, like, I think it's what makes that ending stand out, and I think that's kind of why... Because when, when I was a kid watching these movies, like, the ending of 4 was the one I, I hated. Like, I didn't want to yeah. watch the ending of 4, and I think part of that is because Harry has no agency during that. He's not fighting back. Everything is just happening mm. to him. You know, in in uh, in Prisoner of Azkaban, he's 
cast like he's trying to drive back he's he's actively fighting for his life and he can't yeah. really do that for more most of goblet of fire's ending uh and i think that trauma carries over into that sense of being helpless carries over into this movie and he doesn't want to be helpless yeah how old were you when this movie came out this would have i would have been five when this one came out wait no this one or goblet of fire uh, I meant Goblet of Fire, cause that's- Goblet of Fire, I would have been five. This one, oh, uh, I would have <laughs> been, yeah, I know. This is what, 2008? 2007, so I would have been eight. Oh gosh, okay. This was the first one I saw in theaters. I can't even do the math for that. I Goblet really of Fire easy. came out in 05. Oh, then I would have been six. Uh, this what these like the my the aging thing is easy for me because I take the year and I add one if it's past ninety nine because I was born in ninety nine so oh anything, you know anything <laughs> I just it's like two thousand seven I would have been I would have been eight so you would have uh, been six so I would have been I would have been nine during Goblet of Fire I would have been fourteen yeah so because okay. when you're saying when I was a kid I didn't <laughs> want to watch this. Because it yeah. was so scary. And you're like, I did. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? And yeah. then I'm like, oh yeah, you were like a baby. Okay. Yeah. I was already a full-blown teenager. So, you know, it was Fun. not scary. Yeah. Order of the Phoenix is the first one I saw in theaters. Oh God. I saw them all. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. That's enough about the order escorting Harry to 13 Grimmel Place and, his, and Harry's trauma <laughs> as a character. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, it took us on a dark road there. Uh, Sarah, you wanted to talk about the fireworks scene, which, bravo, one of the, like, one of the scores on the soundtrack I listen to the most. Oh, is it's that the fire? best score. It's so good. Okay, yeah. But tell us why you love the fireworks scene. I love that scene. Um, yes, <laughs> I'm asking why. I just love it so much. No, it's so good. I think um, it builds the tension very well when you're kind of just watching like them take their owls and it's kind of boring right there. And you know, like the whole time um, you're just waiting for the students to get back at Umbridge. And I really like the scene in the book too, but you're just waiting this whole time. And then it builds the tension where you hear like the, the thuds. Yeah. And you see her face, and you see people looking around, and then they bust in. And I like the visuals; just look great. Like oh, yeah. I love the visuals. Um, I love when uh, all the different decorations or whatever they're called like fall down all around her. So good. Um, and then I guess like this is a little bit after, but I also like when it. And my husband points this out; he loves the scene as well. Is when they're all cheering, and they they Fred and George zoom off into the sky, and then it the sound kind of cuts out and you just see Harry and he's having the like Voldemort yes. talking thing that which leads on to the end. That scene is so good because you just yeah. see like the sound cuts out, gets real quiet. He kind of falls away. Like I think that whole sequence, like and it adds, it adds the fun. Cause it, this, this movie's a little down at times. Um, <laughs> it's it's, it's a little for the rest of the, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the kickoff to some really, really heavy stuff that's going on. And I think that's such a fun, just light, like, okay, here's the magic. Here's the stuff that we like. And then it leads right back into <laughs> yeah. darkness. And I think that's one of the examples of like these movies having to adapt the series and these stories and doing a really good job at it because I, it doesn't happen like that in the uh, 
it doesn't happen like in that the, in in the books. Like they don't go straight yeah. from. Um, what I mean is they don't go straight from Fred and George setting off the fireworks to them going after. Uh, yeah, to him seeing Sirius and like the the the, the visions and stuff. There's there's still time between that. There's more time in between those two events. But I think when you have to move quickly in the story, <laughs> I think that they chose a good job to do that or a yeah. a good spot to do that. But yeah, did they even in the book do that during that when they were taking their exams? I think so. I don't remember. I've only Maybe read not. Order of Phoenix once because it was hard to get through the second time. Like, I was like, this is... Woo. But, uh... I think they do it as a distraction in the book. I I feel like they do it and Harry breaks into do. somebody's office while they're doing it. Oh, uh, maybe. Um, that sounds like a Fred and George kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I, I know... <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, That's I'm okay. Find out now. Yeah. Um, so, Kaylin, what do you think of that scene? Um, I, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, okay. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's, um, yeah, it's upbeat and whatever. It, it, it's nice to see Umbridge kind of get, you know, her comeuppance a little bit, mm. at least the precursor to it. She gets the real comeuppance later, but um, fun. It it doesn't serve a lot of function, but whatever. Uh, I remember something about it upsetting me when I first saw the movie, and I can't remember what it is. Hmm. Like well, something about when they did it, or what? Like what? Like something about the twins' motivation, or when they did it, or something upset me. And, um, I, that's what's triggering me to think they didn't do it during their test. Also, the <laughs> teacher in me is very upset that they interrupted the <laughs> test because as a teacher, I would be pissed. Um, so. Harry goes to talk to Sirius and Lupin over the fireplace. And while uh, he's doing that, they set all this off as a distraction. Yes, mm. yes. I remember being very upset that they were interrupting a test. Um, because I'm a little bit too much of a Hermione and I'm like, what are they going to do? Cause like if, if an SAT or ACT or something like that gets interrupted, they have to like null and void all the test scores. Yeah. And you have to come back and do it again. So I'm just oh, thinking nerd. like, what a headache that must be. <laughs> All right, because ruin the fun, why don't you, Kaylin? <laughs> I didn't ruin the fun. The Weasley twins did. <laughs> Wait, you're saying that the test was the fun part and they ruined it by setting off the explosions? Well, the yeah. test was organized and orderly and... <laughs> and so um, it fun? And, and pl well, no, it's... Uh, I don't know. I just... <laughs> I That's upsetting. That's very upsetting. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, um... Uh, okay, so the scene you picked, Kaylin, uh, which you cheated a little bit, uh, the entire final battle at the ministry. Well, yeah, it's not exactly a scene, but it is definitely the, uh, the climax of the movie. It is. So I have a question for y'all. What do y'all think of the design of the ministry? I love it. I really love the design of the ministry. I really like it. I do too. It is at, it is not oh. at all what I had pictured in my head. 
when I read the books. I don't mm-hmm. even remember what I pictured, but it, it, it ended up being very interesting and it still felt real. Like, a, a, you know, they walk around, they get on an elevator, whatever. Yeah. But it also, like, the Department of Mysteries looks super creepy and has that, like, really shiny floor and and <laughs> all of that. So I really, really like it. It's just not at all what I expected. Um Now, obviously within this, there's a lot of stuff. There's the going to get the... Yeah the prophecy and the whatever and then them fighting with the death eaters and malfoy and uh, mm. lucius malfoy i should say and all that and then of course sirius dies yeah. and that is mm. heartbreaking. heartbreaking yeah mm, it basically plays like it did in the book because he got hit he fell into the curtain thing all mm. that on the scale of all the deaths we've had up to this point, which I suppose is really just him and Cedric at this point in time, hmm. where does this fall? Like sadder, less sad? Um, oh, sadder. I, oh, I don't. <laughs> I, I think that the aftermath of Cedric's death for me hits harder. Watching the father. Holding the oh, son's yeah. lifeless corpse. Uh, sorry to. Uh, yeah, I think that hits mm. harder. I feel like the movie for me is not as sad as his death, as serious as death in the books. Right in the well, but in the books we see more of Sirius. We see Harry yes. interact more yeah, with Sirius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also a lot of what gets mentioned in the books over and over and over again that they basically left out was Harry mentioning or saying to himself as he's thinking one day i get to go live with Sirius. yes there will be a day i don't have to go back to privet drive yes and that being taken away from him was Mm. so heartbreaking in the book it doesn't translate in the movie even though you could make those connections yourself we never we don't hear harry say one day i'll go live with Sirius." yeah you know Sirius says it a lot does he? Oh, in the movies, I, I feel like Sirius it says it a lot. Want. I, I mean, he, he says that a couple times. He's in. I feel like he mentions it. I mean, a lot to me is at least once a movie. I feel like he mentions it in three, <laughs> four, and in this one, like he's like, one day we'll be a real family. We'll be a proper family. Like, what? Once, once all this stuff is done and Umbridge is gone, we'll be a real family. Yeah, I know he mentions that in this movie. I think they they do set that up in this movie. Like, I think he does say it at least once but, or twice. I do agree that I think since we don't get the internal monologue of Harry, that it's more of it almost comes across more of Sirius really wanting Harry to be his foe son, and I don't think mm. we get as much of Harry really looking at Sirius as a father. Like right. he does. And I think we get more mm-hmm. of that in the book because we get the inner monologue. But I think just because Harry does not speak his feelings very often, um, <laughs> or at all. And Sirius does not seem shy to tell Harry that he cares about him, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good thing. But, um, so I think in the movies, it just doesn't translate as well, which is why I would say that, like, I think in the movies, I think. Cedric's death is more affecting in the movies just because I think the guy who plays Amos destroys that scene 
yeah. like uh, in an insane way. But in the books, I think it's definitely Cedric's death, or sorry, uh, Sirius's death, because I think that just reverberates beyond everything for the rest of the series following, in a way that it doesn't necessarily in the movies. Yeah, and it's also the fact that Harry has already lost two parents. He Ooh. now loses a third. He's going to lose at least two more before we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, two. I count Dumb- Dumbledore and Lupin. Lupin. Ah, oh, shit, yeah. Mmm. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Snape. I'm like, that. that's not a good yeah, parent. No, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't An unhealthy father figure. I was talking, yeah, I know. I was talking about Lupin. Yeah. Um, so then, of course, we get, uh, Dumbledore and Voldemort's oh. big battle, which is oh, insane! So good. So cool. I don't even remember it being that awesome. It was just crazy what they were doing. Um, and it's foolish of you to come here tonight, Tom. I love it. I love it so much. The auras are on their way. By which time they arrive, I shall be gone and you shall be dead. I just, I love it. I love their exchange before they fight. And then, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I really yes. love it. And uh, it's just, it's overall, it's just an insane scene. And I, I really do like the fact, I know they kind of drop off at some point, but. And it's not just Harry, Ron, and Hermione. They bring Jenny and yeah. Luna and Neville. So you're getting more of a sense of um, him having allies. And that's mm-hmm. sort of the theme of this movie is you're not mm-hmm. alone uh, with the army and everything. So it's just, to me, it it's just one of the better ending battle scenes or mm, you know I agree. Uh, I agree climaxes to the movies um overall it's not one of my favorites but it's not one of my least favorites so yeah. you know it just it has some some ups and downs in it mm. I don't know how okay the other thing is was it just me I remember thinking that Umbridge was dead at some point I mean, but she she's gets not. Off. She gets carried off by the um, uh, centaurs. By the centaurs. centaurs. And then I think you see her briefly in the news clippings at the end. But beyond that, she's not really mentioned again, is she? Not yeah. until seven, or yeah, is it so seven or eight? I guess it's eight. No, the or Ministry seven. heist is in seven. The Gringotts heist is in eight. Right. Yes. So we see her in seven. Yeah. Um, again, so we know she's still we alive do? and well. Yeah, yeah because she has the locket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I remember having it in my head that she was dead. I don't know if that was just something I made up or I what. I and- really unclear about it. Yes, yes. Very unclear about yeah. it. Um, so I don't, uh, overall, it's got probably the best villain but it's also just got a lot of weak points to me yes i agree yeah i completely agree (laughs) all right sarah geez Uh, well no because the more i think about the more i'm like i do really like this movie but there's a lot it has some really strong parts and it has some really kind of weak parts all right and we're about to talk about the stuff that I always get really upset about whenever we record these is, which is the differences. But before we go over the differences very quickly, we're going to go ahead and we're going to throw to ads uh, for a minute. So we'll be right back. 
Hey there, Schmodown fans. This is Josh the Merc Rainer, and I am here to tell you about my show, Talking Schmodown. Whether it's Andrew Guy getting hit with a chair, John Roca screaming, Outlaw! Or the emotional retirement of the Shire Wolf, I talk about it all. So you can catch me right here on Anchor and all the other major podcasting platforms. So, as I ask every episode, are you ready to talk Schmodown? I am. Hi everyone, this is Sarah, host of Go Get That Rose podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to talking about all things Bachelor Nation. Join Jay Wade, a man in his 40s who has recently new to all things Bachelor Nation, and myself, someone who has been watching passionately for the past three years, as we review, share our thoughts on each episode of whatever show is currently on TV, whether that is Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise. We might not even know everyone's name, but we have fun nonetheless. You can find us on Merkwood and Movie Blog Feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, I'm Sean. You guys might know me on this feed from co-hosting Beyond the Screen, but now here at Merc with the Movie Blog, we have started a brand new show exclusively for video games called Game Over Stream. So join me every week with my co-hosts. Hey, how's it going? My name's Brendan. And I'm Tyler. As we talk about everything video game related and when we, I guess, get to the Game Over screen. I don't know. I don't have a good pun for that, but the joke is that we're going to die a lot in the game. <laughs> well, you might. Jay Wade here to tell you about SEN Afterlife, our SEN Live After Show, where we talk about, well, whatever Christian, Brett, and the rest of the crew talk about, and the insanity that ensues. So join us each week here on the Merc with the Movie blog feed on your podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube now on the SEN Afterlife channel. Talk to you then. So we're back uh, listening to their shows. They're great. I was on SEN Live and Beyond the Screen last night. So, or SEN After Live uh, and Beyond the Screen last night. So that was fun. Um, yeah. And uh, Sarah, are you guys still doing Go Get That Rose? Yes, we are going to be starting it back up uh, whenever the next spinoff, I think in like a week or so. It's going to be me and um, Kristen, uh, Winston oh. Marshall's girlfriend. So, woo! Okay. That's fine. I ditched Jay and got a brand new coat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's happy to have a break. He is so thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've got some minor ones and then I've got some major ones. These minor ones are just like, they, they, they're things that happen that, okay. So the first, the first thing I wrote down was that Petunia doesn't know about the Dementors like she does in the books because it it kind of creates issues because later on she's supposed to know more about the magic world than yeah, she yeah. lets on. But in this one, yeah. like because I remember in the book, she's like she describes the Dementors to to Harry before he even goes on it, like to yeah. what it is to, or to what they are. So that's cut out of the the movie. And then I in the book, the scene where Harry actually gets expelled is or not the scene, but like the events around it are way more confusing for Harry. Uh, cause Harry first gets the letter from 
Hopkirk saying that he's expelled. Then he gets another letter immediately after from Arthur saying that Dumbledore is on his way to the ministry as they speak to sort things out. Then he gets a third letter from Hopkirk saying, okay, you're not expelled yet, but we're going to have a hearing and you can keep your wand. And then he gets a letter from Sirius that's like, hey, stay where you're, like, I, I know what's going on. Stay where you are. Don't give up your wand to anybody. And it's just like over the course of like a couple of, a couple of, I think it's really quick. I think it all happens over the course of like less than an hour. He gets four letters from different people telling him like, you're expelled. You're not expelled. Don't surrender your wand to anybody. Okay, fine. You can keep your wand. Don't leave the house. Like, <laughs> and then finally Petunia gets that howler from Dumbledore telling her to remember his last, like, mm. which is like the letter, I guess, that he left in, uh, in, in Sorcerer's Stone or like at the beginning of the story. Because he, he's talking about the blood charms, I think, where he's like, if you send her, if you send Harry away, then those won't work and uh, right. won't call the place home and it won't be like you guys will get killed. Um, but yeah, I just I always liked that scene in the book because it was so confusing and like for Harry. Uh, mm. So they, 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 they streamlined that a lot. They uh, did. And then we just jump straight into like, OK, now he's leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so these are the more major things that I, I felt they were major uh, that changed. So first of all, as we like hinted to earlier, Percy's entire subplot is cut out of the movie. Uh-huh. Percy Weasley does not like he appears very briefly. None of the stuff about him believing the Ministry over Dumbledore. None of the stuff where he event at one point he sends Ron a letter saying, "Hey, stop associating with Harry. You're just making mm. things worse for everybody." Um. So yeah, none of that stuff is included, which I think is really disappointing because as we we'll, we like we'll get to it later on in the last movie, but I think that per, the like the climax of Percy's story is one of my favorite parts of the last book mm. and we don't get that because the story doesn't exist in the movies. Right. We don't even really get Percy. I mean, no, I don't think he's at all. <laughs> I don't think he utters a single word the rest of the movies. No. No. Is he in the rest of them? Isn't he in eight? He, show up? he might be in eight. I don't know. He might be in the background of eight. He might be. Huh. Uh, the, oh my god. So this, when I, when I read this, I was like, oh my god, wait, that's right. Uh, are Hermione and Ron prefects? Yes. Are they yes. in the movies? No. No. That doesn't even, no. that's not even, not even like the thing that's talked even. about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I just always put that on them when I watch the movie as I was like, yeah, they're prefects because they are in the book. Never happens yeah. in the movie. Like mm-hmm. it's never, it's never even mentioned. And that's nope. another thing that Harry gets upset about because they yeah. picked Ron over him. Yeah. But it was Dumbledore. Why did he pick Ron over Harry again? I think he didn't was want to add the stress. Yeah, no, something th- like that. I, I think he didn't, didn't trust him at the time because he doesn't trust him in this book. He doesn't, it's not that he doesn't trust him, it's that he doesn't trust that Voldemort's not, well, yeah. like, manipulating yes. him. That's why he won't look him in the eyes in all of those scenes. He's afraid of Voldemort yeah. using Harry to get to him. That he was being selfish, because Dumbledore's an asshole. Um, oh, that's a, that's a discussion for a, we'll get to that a in a later time. <laughs> that's a difference. Okay, so, also the entire Quidditch season is cut, which, as you know, I am a big No more Quidditch. Quidditch and that's bullshit! It's bullshit no that the Quidditch stuff is cut out because Ginny, Ginny is supposed to become Seeker when Harry is banned from being Quidditch or from playing, from being Quidditch. From, from being Quidditch. Quidditch. <laughs> yeah. 
Ginny is supposed to take oh, over yes, yes. as the seeker, and then that's why it's set up in the next movie. She's a staple on the Quidditch team, but yeah, no, <laughs> none of that. Uh, I didn't even notice we didn't get any Quidditch. I love Quidditch. Um, <laughs> Dobby's role in the movie was like completely given to Neville. Dobby's the one who knows where the room of requirements is and everything. Oh um, yeah. Not not Neville, but they give that stuff to Neville. Uh we never go to St. Mungo's. Mm. The hospital. Yeah. Yes. All the stuff with Neville's parents. We don't get to see uh, and Lockhart. Well, yep, yeah, I was about to say Sarah's favorite character. My favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh we never see Ferenz taking up the position of divination teacher, the uh the centaur. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. Oh yeah. We never get to see that. Uh, Fred and George, when they leave, they don't just set off the fireworks. They set off a bunch of portable swamps. Yes. <gasps> oh yeah. And there's a, like, there's a thing in the book where Harry's like, Professor Flitwick could have fixed it week, weeks ago, but he's really enjoying watching. Yes. Upridge squirm. <laughs> 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 so Flitwick is like, I don't know what to do, man. I can't get rid of it, but he, he, he definitely can. And he's just pissing off Umbridge. Um, Okay, so this is one of the things where I talked about Umbridge could have been much worse and could have been much, like a lot more hated. In the book, the Aurors come and Umbridge and the Aurors go after Hagrid. And there's a fight. They try to take out Hagrid. And because yeah. they find out he's half giant. And they go after him and McGonagall mm-hmm. tries to stop them. And McGonagall gets hit by four stunning spells and goes to St. Mungo's. Yes. Can you uh, it's, all coming. We watched, it's all coming back. <laughs> can you imagine if we watched Umbridge take out Professor McGonagall with, like, actual four stunning spells to the chest in the movies? How much more we would hate her as a character? Hmm. So, the thing I remember about uh, Umbridge being uh, different in the books was, I, re- I I guess maybe just the image I conjured in my head was that she was a lot uglier. Yeah, I also... They call her toad-like, yes. right? Yes! Constantly toad-like. Like, yes. I think, Short oh, and stubby I think, and... I think McGonagall toad-like. even calls her the toad. <laughs> at one point. Well, she doesn't look like... I mean, they, they they cast a fairly attractive older lady, you know? I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, She's certainly kind of not really ugly. That's kind of the... The, uh, the trend <laughs> with the movies. The trend with these movies. <laughs> Yeah, uh, everyone is more attractive than they should be. <laughs> one of the one of the pieces, pieces I talked about earlier is that creature never tricks Harry into going to the ministry. Because mm. uh, in the in the book, he contacts creature, he contacts Grimoire Place, and creature is there, and creature says that Voldemort took Harry. And then, like the reason Sirius goes is because he find he finds creature punishing himself. And he's like, what did you do? What did you do? And he tells him and he, and he goes after to the ministry. Um, mm, I forgot about that. Yeah, one of, too. one of the big things, Umbridge sent the Dementors. At yeah, the beginning I do of the remember movie. And I remember that. Yeah. In the, in the, or in the, in the book, like at the beginning, Umbridge was the one that sent the Dementors and that's never, um, revealed in, in the mm. movie. A large part of the Department of Mysteries at the end is cut. Like there's the room with just the brain in it, mm-hmm. and mm, yeah, there's, I rem- there's a lot in that part. <laughs> yeah, there were so many rooms they went in and out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then these last two are the parts that I really, I just 
the ending happens so quickly and so quietly that I kind of wish these had been in there. When Harry talks to Dumbledore, it's a very in the movie. It's a very calm conversation. It's like, yeah, I know how you feel. No, you don't. In the book, he just starts wrecking Dumbledore's office. I was about to say, screaming at him, and he's throwing shit. Like, (laughs) yeah, I remember him destroying Dumbledore's office at some point and just breaking everything. Yeah, he's just breaking things, and eventually, like, it's, because I think it's written very well, where I think there's, a, I'm pretty sure there's a moment when he's breaking stuff, where he even stops because he realizes that it's not affecting Dumbledore, and he's like, well, I can't even get satisfaction out of hurting Dumbledore, and I'm gonna stop. Like, I don't know, I feel like that bit is, uh, was that, that fight that they, or not fight, but more Harry yelling at Dumbledore, and Dumbledore being very calm about it, uh, does not happen in the, in the movie. And Dumbledore also doesn't explain the prophecy to Harry at all in, in, the, no. in the movie. And then the, like, because this, this book in this movie is so angsty. And then it mm-hmm. crescendos to maximum angst at the end of the book. And it's not in the movie when Harry discovers that, that um, Sirius had sent him home with a two-way mirror. And he could have oh, just yeah. used that to ask him. But instead he went to Creature and Creature lied, which ended up sending everybody to the ministry. And mm-hmm. Harry like breaks the mirror out of just like 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 just out of anger and and, and hurt. Um And then that totally like, screwed them later because Yeah, yeah isn't that mirror important has, later? It is. It is. And we don't understand why he has it later. And yeah. why uh Dumbledore's brother is the one that has the other end. Yeah. Yeah. We don't understand that. And we also, they never explain that the reason that it's so like important to to Harry is that he thinks he sees Dumbledore on the other side. Yes. Right. Like you don't get that in the, in the movie is you just are like, there's another person there. Like it's never really explained that Harry is looking at Aberforth and thinking it's Dumbledore. Yes. Right. Uh, Which I guess technically it is Dumbledore, but it's a different Dumbledore. Oh right, yeah, so those are the major differences that I wrote down that were missing from uh There is another movie. Okay, what is it? Isn't isn't like um Cho isn't the one that tells No. Uh, not in, I right? that isn't me. that a different it's her, friend. her friend. Yeah. Which mm, isn't in the book. No. Or and, in the movies. Yeah, and this was also nitpicky, but um they mention, or Hermione mentions that Cho, it, in her little thing about um, why Cho is probably, like, what all her emotions have to be right now, she mentions that she's probably worried about her OWLs, but Cho should be a year older than them. Yes. Yes. It mess with the ages a lot. Oh my gosh, all over the place. With, uh, um. you, you mentioned it to me earlier in the chat, Kaylin. One of the Quidditch players gets her age... Katie yes, Bell. Katie Bell. She's older too. Yeah. yeah, she's she should have graduated or whatever. I don't know what they call it. Uh, been done with Left. Hogwarts a long time ago, but yeah. she still ends up being um, on in, in that final movie. As so is Cho. They should have both yeah. been gone before then. Yeah, yeah. But that's just you know. That's just them messing with ages to have familiar characters around. Yeah. Yeah, which I get. If we did the TV show. Shut up. <laughs> it's gonna happen. And if it doesn't, I'm going to make it happen. Don't ask me how. Right. I think they still need to wait a while because it's still, yeah. 
the last movie came out in 2011. It's been almost a decade. Yeah, but that's not very Give me long. 15 years. 15 plus years. By the time, like, if I'm talking about them announcing it t- tomorrow, right? Coronavirus, they can't start for another year at least. Right? And then takes another year of pre-production and then a year of casting and then like it's gonna be a while anyway so just tell me you're gonna do it that's all i'm asking let's do for. our own casting of we'll do that later on we'll we'll eventually... right now no, okay. oh. <laughs> we'll uh we'll figure uh maybe once we're done with the movies we'll do a couple special episodes of this of other stuff uh i know sarah you really want to do a very potter musical oh my god uh, all three all three baby <laughs> All three, baby. Um, All three, baby. Okay, so the last thing I want to do is I want to update our rankings. Um, I'm going to go first. Oh, where am I going to throw this? I'm going to throw it. um, I'm really struggling. All right, I'm going to Kaylin first. Uh, Where would you place? um, Mm, I think I'd place it. So I think, um, let's see, my... My least favorite is three, then four, and then I think I'd say mm, five, one, five, two, one. Okay, so your favorite was. It's still oh, your one. Least favorite, okay. yeah, your least favorite was four. And no, three. Was, oh, th- three. Sorry, so it's three, yeah. four, five, yeah, yeah, okay, two, yeah. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. From, from bottom it. up. Yeah, sorry. Uh,. Okay, so you got it there. Uh, where are you putting it, Sarah? Uh, what's my favorite? Is it two? Yes. Is it two, four, three, one? Is that what the ranking yes. is? Yeah. Put it above three. Okay. No. Uh, no? I don't know. Put it below three. Below what three. What do you mean? What, like better or worse? Worse. So two, four, three, five, one. From good to bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two, four, three, five, one. Got it. Wow, our orders are all over the place. I crazy. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go. I've got I've got four, three, one, two right now. And then From I'm good gonna, to bad. Yeah, good to bad. Four. Three, I think I'm gonna put it in between one and two. So four, three, one, five, two. One, five, two. Yes. That's crazy that my top is your bottom. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, like I said in the other, like when we did uh, Chamber of Secrets, I feel like Chamber of Secrets is uh, Sorcerer's Stone, but not as good. Mm. Yeah. Hard okay. But then why do you have four the best? Because I think four is the best. Well, our whole, we'll argue about our rankings a whole separate. Yeah. That would be <laughs> a whole other thing. Uh <laughs> Uh, you guys, Galen, where can people find you? They can find me on, um, Twitter and Letterboxd at KaylinRose715. That's K-A-L-Y-N-R-O-S-E-715. Hey. Alright, uh, Sarah, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at S-C-B-O-C-K, S-S-E-A-B-O-C-K. Awesome. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK. 
you guys can find this show and others on the Merc with Movie Blog podcast feed, which can be located on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio Public, Breaker, and Overcast. Uh, on this feed, you can check out Sarah and I on the Beyond the Screen show, where we talk about whatever. We talk about movies, TV shows, comics, video games, whatever we want to talk about. Kaylin, you do... As if I'm reminding you. Uh, you can catch Kaylin on <laughs> SEN Afterlife, uh, where they talk about the week of SEN Live. And you can catch Sarah on the Go Get That Rose podcast talking about The, the Bachelor. Ba- yep, The Bachelor and, recap show. <laughs> and you can catch me doing this. Is that, well, all of us doing this. Is that everything you guys do on this feed? <laughs> yes. I think I hit okay. everything. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening again. That's at Movie Blog Merc on Twitter and on Anchor. So uh we'll catch you guys next time. 